0: Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. Let's say China. China, 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 You go over to China, 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 I love them, China, 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 China. I have to have my China, 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 because China, 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 China. Now, China, China. You know, China. I know China very well. China, 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 China. Northwest Wisconsin, where I'm from. It's China to me, China. China, 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 You want to buy from China? That's great. Buy from China. Buy toys from China. China in particular. China, China. I have people that I know in China. China, China. China, 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 China. China. I've been saying China, 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 let me ask you about China. China. I go to China. 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 People from China, they love me. China. 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 In China, they say I don't like China. I love China. People think I don't like China. I love China. China. China is the new China, by the way. China. 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 I deal with China. 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 Big league China. So don't tell me about China. I know China. 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 Whether it's China, China. So if you went to China and you want to get a job in China, I don't knock China. How could I dislike China? A man from China, China. You have China, Carl. Take China, 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 China 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 and by the way I love China I mean I love China how can you not love China I love China 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 and you know China 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 China
1: China 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 well, that's, you know... Uh, hey, hey, Cam. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Today,
2: Ray, I want to get all up in that big China. Get deep up in that China.
1: All right. All right. Uh, because... Uh,
2: uh, here's the thing. Over the last... Um, couple of months, there's been this US-China trade war, it's all over the media, Tony and I yeah. have been talking about it on the QAV podcast, is it going to mm. contribute to collapsing the US economy and the the, the global economy along with it, mm. and the thing that keeps fascinating me is I've, I've read a lot of media coverage about China and the trade mm. war, et cetera, et cetera, over the last few months. One aspect about it that I find fascinating is that I never see any talk in those stories about the fact that China is a communist country that seems to be a major economic threat to the USA, Ah. the world's leading capitalist country. Even Fox News refers to China as America's rival for world dominance.
0: Right.
2: And we hear all the time about how communism failed in the 20th century, how it's a worthless socio-economic oh. ideology. And yet here we are with China being the world's biggest economy.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: also the world's biggest exporter, became the world's biggest exporter in 2010. China's trade with the rest of the world topped $3 trillion in 2010. And yet at the end of World War II, as you will recall from when we did our shows on uh, mm-hmm. Bretton Woods, the US had 80% of the world's gold reserves. Yeah. And China was officially fucked. That was <laughs> UN terminology, official United Nations ter- terminology. When you looked up China, they just had fucked and in inverted commas after it. It was called the sick man of Asia. Yeah. Listeners to our Cold War show know the story. Um. You know, the British wanted to sell opium. They grew in India to China in the right. mid 1800s, but the Chinese emperor banned opium because he said this this shit's no good for our people. Right. He banned right. it, so Britain attacked China mm-hmm. and signed a treaty where they got Hong Kong and the right to get the Chinese fucked up on opium, exactly. along with a, along with a bunch of other trading benefits. The US at the time in the early 20th century were pushing their open door policy with China that we talked about on our Cold War show, which basically meant an open door to take whatever the fuck we want and sell whatever the fuck we want into China. France, Spain, Russia, Japan, they all wanted a piece of China. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong kicked the imperialists out in the 30s and 40s that China had true independence for the first time in a century. But the Western media only talks about China being communist today when it wants to criticize them for something, like protests in Hong Kong or Tiananmen Square or human rights abuses. Then they'll say, oh, China's communist. If If you jump into Google News and you search for the words China and communism, you'll only find negative stories. China... Uh, uh, communist leaders, mm-hmm. uh, bad human rights records. Right. You will struggle to find any article in the mainstream press that says, "Hey, wait a minute! How come the communists are kicking our ass in terms right. of economics? How come how come the communists are rivals for world dominance? All of a sudden, when, what, what what what? I what, thought we what? won. It's I thought tr- Reagan." brought down the wall, defeated the communists, yeah. it's all over, yeah. cold war's over. Wait, China's ruling the world? What day? Hey. hey. <laughs> so that's I've been I've been wondering about this for a while. And and consequently, mm-hmm. is China a communist country or are they a capitalist country? Uh, I've I've asked this question on Facebook in the recent uh, week or so and It's amazing the the, the, the different views that people have. So what I want to do over the course of the next few episodes of The Bullshit Filter is drill down into China, China's economy, the economic history of China, a little bit on the trade war. But mostly I want to look at China and China's economy and how they went from being fucking bankrupt 70 years ago to yeah. having the world's largest economy and threatening the U.S. To, so much so that the U.S. is wall-to-wall media coverage about China and uh, Trump's, uh, uh, you know, getting ready to collapse the global economy right. because of a trade war with China.
1: Jeez! Yeah.
2: Introductory comments from uh, the defense. Please. yeah
1: so i uh, i found this very interesting as well and, and and obviously you with tony with your conversations and your podcast know a lot uh, more about it than i do but i was able to tap some of my own sources um laszlo montgomery of the china history podcast he lived in hong kong works he has worked for a chinese paper company for almost 20 years speaks mandarin goes there a couple times a year and he gave me some uh, some insights and and he was in. He was, like you like you were saying a second ago, when you think of China, in some ways you don't think of that it's a communist country. You just think about it's an economic powerhouse. And maybe it's it's embarrassing for Americans to say economic powerhouse and communist in the same sentence because, like you said, it's supposed to be a system that doesn't work. But what Laszlo and these other people uh, that he pointed me towards were saying is that the Chinese leadership calls their economic model socialism with Chinese characteristics. That's the official party line. So it's, as far as their economy goes, it's neither capitalist nor communist. It's something that they make up along the way using capitalist principles, but it's still controlled overall by the state. So you could call it authoritarian. You can't call it communist. Uh, But communism has been thrown in since 1978. I'm sure we'll get to Deng Xiaoping later on. You could maybe call it corporatism that kind of thing but either way whatever this system is and this is the point that you were making a minute ago whatever it is it's working because their gdp their estimated gdp for 2019 is 14.2 trillion dollars and the other name that you could use for their economy the socialist market economy of china is the largest economy in the world uh you know as you as you know probably better than i do you've got the gdp or you've got the ppp Either way, by 2023, China will flat out have the largest economy in the world. It just depends on how you slice the numbers. But this is an economic giant. And how do they possibly achieve this if they are suppressing their people, the states controlling everything, they're stifling creativity? How is it still happening? I guess that's what we're going to get into for the next couple of episodes. Hmm.
2: Well, I, I I want to unpick a lot of the things that you said there. Oh, but we'll do it over the course of the next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. So um, the other strange thing is that, despite constant criticism of China in the media over the course of my lifetime, right. I remember I remember Tiananmen Square. Um, oh, yeah. It was horrifying. It was all over the TV. It was 1989 for kids out there who don't remember when that was, or I'm sure everyone's heard of it, even if they don't know much about it. Mm -hmm. Despite all of that and all of the criticism of China's human rights record, the US and the rest of the West has massively ramped up trade with China over the last 30 years. When Tiananmen Square, when the massacre happened in 1989, it was rightly criticised in the West, what was the Western reaction? We said, fantastic, and moved as much of our manufacturing to China as possible. Jeez. Yeah. And besides, the world's most advanced economies, the US and the UK built their economies mm-hmm. on the backs of slavery, genocide, theft, and colonialism. So they're not really in much of a position to point the finger at China.
1: Right <laughs> well, if, if if it was done a long time ago, you can forgive yourself if someone's doing it nowadays, um, then you feel comfortable pointing the figure but in, I thought what I thought you were going to say a second ago because it's equally true is that you know a lot of American goods. Are made in China with with uh, people who are who are paid a lot less. So American uh, goods go over there. They come back and finish products. So we are equally taking advantage of the of the low pay workers in China to get our products. So even then, we're not exactly innocent of um, of using people and, and you know probably not getting paid as much as they could or should.
2: Well, yeah, I wouldn't say not exactly innocent. I mean, I'm deliberately right, leveraging right, was, and I exploiting was, the uh, conditions the in China,
1: right? Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, but but getting back to my point about the US and the UK, I don't want to. I don't want to just wash over that, and we'll keep coming sure. back to that. But you know, when people um, point to, you know, even when you, I saw this a lot on Facebook in the last week, even when people can uh, 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 swallow their pride and acknowledge China's stunning economic progress in the last 40 years. They'll say, yes, but look at the way they treat their people. Look at that. Like, yeah, 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 typically Americans (laughs) or British, like you built your fucking economies. On the Literally. backs of slavery, Literally. genocide, theft, and colonialism. Literally. So yeah, you know, shut the fuck up. What are you fucking? T- yeah, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You did it. They're doing it. Uh, yeah. What if you know? So so what? You, you, yeah. You're not. You don't have any moral authority to go. Wow, well, but Look at how they treat yeah. their people. Yeah. America still, uh, today, has the highest rate of incarceration per capita in the
1: world. Yeah. And even though, supposedly, we have the greatest medicine in the world, there's a lot of Americans that can't get access to it because they can't afford it. If you find out one day you got cancer, you're screwed. And the other thing is, I think you've you've probably heard the stat a billion times, you know, a lot of Americans are just one sickness away from bankruptcy because we couldn't afford it. So what's the point of bragging about how great we are and that you treat your people horribly when we all know that it's not all that great over here. And just and just one other stat, just before, you know, to add on to what you were saying. China has 819 billionaires in their country. So, obviously, somebody's doing something right over in China. There's only 2,208 billionaires in the world, and they have 819 of them. And, by the way, can I say, not one of those billionaires have chosen to become Batman Little disappointing, but. Yeah,
2: but would you yeah. know?
1: How that's would you true. know? Oh, because. That's true.
2: They that okay, would keep their identity something- secret. <gasps> yeah.
1: You've given me something to think about. Mm. But 819 yeah. billionaires, come on.
2: So, yes, China has pollution and workers are stressed and people are crowded into cities, but after 240 years of unbridled capitalism, America still has a massive wealth gap. Yes. High unemployment, people without health care, the largest prison population on the planet per capita, massive rates of gun violence, high levels of corruption, etc., etc. etc: Yeah China's only had limited capitalism for 40 years. So anyway, all those people who think capitalism beat communism need to explain why China is now the world's right. largest economy, and the U.S currently owes China. 1.1 trillion dollars in debt and oh. why they have a trade imbalance of 400 billion dollars a year cuz it sounds to me like, like the communists yeah the communists are kicking your ass <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, and when I looked that stat up about the about the one point three trillion, you know, right below that, uh, Japan has just under. They have they have billions of dollars in debt. As Canada does, does, Mexico has, UK has. So yeah, we owe a lot of money uh, to China, but we owe a lot of money to other people. So if we're such if we're so awesome, why are we so massively in debt? Which I know is your point, but the fact that China owns most of that debt should give us pause.
2: Now uh, I'm getting in. Over the course of the next few episodes, we're going to talk about that debt, national debt, and, and why it exists, how it's created, mm-hmm. the purpose of it. And I'm not here to say it's a good or a bad thing. It's another thing right. that's come up in conversations on Facebook. People go, well, national debt's not bad. Hey, I- I'm not saying it is bad or it isn't bad. I'm not taking a position on that in this. Just what I'm talking about is you just owe China a lot of money. You've right. borrowed... A lot of money from China, America has. Um, right. The country that 40 years ago, no, and, and at the end of World War II in particular, w- was fucking no. broke, bankrupt. Yes. Now, yes. they have loaned America more money than any other country on the planet. <laughs> and again, my point isn't, is this good or bad or this or that? It's... This is a communist country. Well, but is China really a communist country? Now, obviously, a lot of people say no, and I I took your comments before from uh, Mr. Montgomery. We'll get into Mm -hmm. this. Sure. But people on Facebook have been saying, no, no, they're they're capitalists. They've always been capitalists. Some people say they're just capitalists like everyone else, except their government is called the Communist Party (laughs) of
1: China. And, And there's only one party.
2: Yes, there's only one party. They have democracy within the party, though. Right. People, people in the West don't really understand how that works. Um, and, in fact, it's not much different from the West. We have typically in the US and the UK and Australia two parties mm-hmm. that uh, vie for power between themselves. And as George Carlin said, they're really just two branches of the one party, the corporate party. Exactly. And China, China's the same thing. They just uh, have the one party, and there's democracy within that. People sure. come and go and get elected by the party to occupy certain positions, but uh, it's, it's not that much different, really. Right, right. Uh, our democracy ain't that great, got to tell you, uh, in case you haven't same been paying better. attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boris Johnson's just <laughs> suspended parliament in the UK. He goes, parliament schmarlament. Like, uh, what, Parliament? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. again. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: So, as I said before, when people in the West want to criticise China, they call them communists.
1: Right.
2: When they want to talk about their economy, they call them capitalists. Ah,
1: convenient.
2: We want to have it both ways. Right. Oh, well, yeah, they're, they're horrible communists. Look at how they treat their people. Their economy, well, they're capitalists. Well fucking which, which grab one? a s grab a story and fucking you know, stick with it. Right. Maybe maybe they're both, maybe they're neither. And I think here's the thing, we need to define what we mean by communism. Mm. And this is where it gets complicated. Because communism is a philosophical, social, political, and economic ideology. Right. And Its ultimate goal is the establishment of a communist society, which is a society where there's common ownership of the means of production and the complete absence of social classes, money, and the state. Mm -hmm. As opposed to a society like we have in the West, where a relatively small number of people control the means of production, the capitalists, and everyone else just works for them, including the politicians. Now, of course, this, this kind of society that I mentioned before where the there's common ownership of the means of production and the complete absence of social class, money, and the state does has never existed, at least right. in, in modern times. So there has never been a communist country. Soviet Union, Russia, Cuba, Vietnam, North Korea, China, these are not... Communist countries. We 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 call them communist countries uh, as a, for, for ease of yes. dialogue because they're run by a communist party. Yeah, but they are not yeah. a not communist really. country in terms of their political ideology. They are communists, meaning that their government's stated vision is to move towards communism, but mm-hmm. they do not have communism today. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the vision. Communism is the vision of where they want to get to, or at least the stated vision. You can argue and that's fine whether or not they really want to be communist or they're just using that uh, as a as a way of of tricking the people into right. following them or believing them. That's a that's a separate conversation and one that's you know more than reasonable to have. I mean, my, my basic, you know, my book, uh, the, the Psychopath Epidemic, Coming to Bookstores mm-hmm. Near You, January 2020, published by HCI out of Florida. Um, yeah, the basic premise of my book is that psychopaths rise to positions of power, thanks to capitalism in large part, but it also, it also is true of, of, of communist, in air mm-hmm. quote societies. Communists uh, are very good at ri- oh, sorry, for communists, psychopaths are very good. <laughs> at rising to power mm-hmm. inside of any sort of institution. And, of course, uh, you know, this is as true in a communist society as it is in a, a capitalist society. So uh, it's quite possible that all these countries are run by psychopaths just as the West is, and they're, right. they're, they have no intention of building a communist society. They're just out to get rich and powerful themselves. I, I, I totally buy that as a... As a Potential theory.
1: Can, can I just add on, because you, you make a good point. Uh, you, you, you got me thinking in a different way. So if you were to say to someone like in China, um, what is your ultimate goal? And theoretically, if they're towing the party line, they were to say to become a purely communist state, you know, no class, you know, everybody owns everything together, you know, whatever, just something along those lines. If you were to ask a capitalist, what is your ultimate goal? I would imagine they would say something like, well, we're there. Capitalist Capitalism is the best. We've already got it. it this is as good as it's ever going to get. We're not striving for anything more. But then you point out all of the flaws and all the people that are suffering in the country. That's when they have to start making up excuses or whatever. But uh, I do find that interesting that, and I know this sounds obvious, but when you really stop and think about it, we think we're already there. So to try to introduce any change, is that not treason or betraying your company or trying to become more like the evil communist countries. I just find it interesting that we think we're already there. Obviously we're suffering. They're doing very well and maybe some of them actually do truly want to take it to the next level to reach something even closer to a communist state.
2: Well, you and I have gone to great lengths in our Cold War show in recent uh, months uh, Mm. talking about the War in the United States in the thirties forties and fifties right. uh, against communism inside the United States. people mm-hmm. you know talking about hey maybe 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 we should change the way the we do things union. in America, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe we should start to distribute the wealth a little bit more equitably and provide people with safety nets and right. uh, and you know the 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 corporations, as we talked about in the Cold War show, in conjunction with Christian leadership, right. lined uh, up
1: together, yeah,
2: ramp, yeah, lined up and ramped up all of this massive rhetoric uh, to to shut down any of that conversation. No. We cannot change American uh, the, the way that we do things the American thinking this right. is the way it is always going to be wealth concentrated in the hands of the few yeah exactly right. this is
1: the way Jesus when
2: Jesus discovered America and wrote the constitution <laughs> this is how he wanted it <laughs> No but So was, yeah that was absolutely so you, what they did yeah but you, you you're right and you make a good point and it's something I'll come back to over the course of the shows mm-hmm. at least they have a vision You can debate whether or not they believe in it or it's authentic, it's genuine, but at least they have a vision for wanting to build a better society. In the West, we don't have that, Uh, where it's like, no, it's fucking good, leave it alone, don't touch it, don't touch it, it's awesome. I mean, that's that's not entirely true. I mean, I think Bernie Sanders has a vision for America. But he's been attacked uh, for it. And, and Elizabeth Warren right. and Alexandra Ortizia-Cortez, people like that, have a vision for how to change. It. Yes, they get attacked, but there are some people uh, in, in the West that have a vision for uh, for, for, for slightly modifying capitalism to make really? it a little bit less correct. I was watching a video uh, last night, a new interview with Warren Buffett, currently mm-hmm. the third richest person uh, in in the United States, I think Jeff Bezos is number one, Bill Gates is number two, Warren Buffett is number three.
1: Is Buffett Um, even trying? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: uh, And uh, there was quite a long interview uh, with Warren, just done recently, and um, he was talking about his support for a guaranteed universal basic income, Ah, um, a, a UBI. He said, look- uh look the America makes a lot of money and if and if you're good at uh, uh working in sort of the market if you have skills mm-hmm. that are that are useful in the market you can make a lot of money in America but there's a lot of people in America that are very fine citizens good people raise their children well you know uh, uh, obey the laws good citizens but they just don't have the skills necessary to be successful in the market, but they are sure. part of America, and, and we need them. Like he said, I couldn't have built Berkshire Hathaway without those people because they're the customers of the businesses that Berkshire Hathaway owns. Right. He said they need to feel like they are also participating in this wealth creation. We can't leave them behind. So he he was advocating for a universal basic income. The third wow. richest man in America, the most successful investor in America, wow. um, and he and he had some beautiful analogies. Um, he said, "Like, imagine if you had a family and you had seven kids in your family and you'd built a successful business and you're getting ready to to pass it on to your kids, all of your kids um, may not uh, be suitable, equally suitable to run the business. Right. You might have one or two that, that that are very good, that have the natural talent and the skills, and so you might put them in charge and they might get paid a little bit more than the others, but you wouldn't uh, cut any of your children out. Right. You would make sure that they all participated in the business in some way, and that they right. all shared in the value of this thing that you created. He said, like your youngest might be an artist and not suited for the business at all, but could be an int- could be the best of all the kids. You know, the mm-hmm. kindest, the, the one who shares everything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You want to make sure that kid gets looked at. You're not going to go, well, you know, screw okay. you. You, yeah. you you're, you're not a cold-hearted business woman or man so you don't get anything, you would make sure that they all were taken care of. He said it's the same thing with a country. You've got to make sure everyone's taken care of.
1: Mm.
2: Now, if Warren Buffett, the third richest man in America, can say that, there's no excuses. He also yeah. made another interesting point. He said, you know, 200 years ago, 80% of the people in America worked on the land. Yeah. And if, uh, you, were, if, if you were a very successful Farmer, If you had a talent and the skills to be good in that kind of an economy, you might make twice as much as the rest of the farmers. That was the differential between successful and average,
1: maybe twice
2: as much. Now, today, if you're very successful in what the market values today, financial sector stuff quite often, Mm -hmm. um, you're making 100,000 times what the average person is making. Right. Uh, Like the numbers are completely screwy. They don't make any sense. Why should one person be making $100 million a year when other people are making $20,000 a year? It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, And secondly, he said, you know, the the skills that were valuable and built America 200 years ago, if you have those skills today, uh, they're worthless, essentially. You're good at planting crops out in your backyard Yeah, and uh, bringing Bessie in for milking and, right. and getting the chickens to lay eggs, you're right. fucked. I mean, there's not, it's not valued today. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you, I recommend people go and check out this Warren Buffett interview. He's uh, cool. beautiful. Like for us, I know why Tony Coniston sort of uh, admires him. He's he's just this uh, like like Tony in many ways. Hope Tony doesn't listen to this; he'll be blushing. But you, you, you've you know Tony, you've hung out with Tony. You right. came to Europe with us. And in, you hung out with him in um, uh, North Carolina, like, like very rich, very successful, so, um, yeah. but a, but a good you know good human being. You, so you know, the the, yeah, yeah, they're they're rare, but they exist. And Warren Buffett is definitely seems to be one of those. Uh, I'm, I don't claim to be an expert on Warren Buffett, but um, he seems to be a good guy. Anyway, so they have a vision. Is my point. Some people mm-hmm. have a vision, but generally speaking, we don't talk about a vision for uh, changing no. capitalism much.
1: Hey, speaking of Tony, can I do a quick synopsis of the 3,000 years of China to get it up to the end of the Civil War as it, <laughs> as it relates to their economy? Because I know you yes, would love please. that. Yes, okay, please. Yeah, good. let's okay. start, yeah. All right, so China obviously 3,000 years old. Uh, Here's the short version, obviously. So China, just like everywhere else in the world, they've had cultural shifts, they've had ever-changing dynasties, and as those dynasties change, the amount of control over the economies ebbs and flows depending on the philosophy of that particular king. China has also suffered war, plagues, invasions, and feudalism, as we've talked about uh, on other shows. When the feudalism falls apart in China, the local kings take over. And when the local kings are pretty much the Power like like after like after when uh, the Roman Empire fell, um, the merchants have a lot more influence in China because they're able to suck up to the local king to help finance his wars against other kings, and so the the merchant starts to have a lot more influence uh, once feudalism falls in China. And again, this is just very very general. In 221 BCE, the king of the Qin Chen declared himself the first emperor, and that was the first time that a person had brought a single government to the land of china at least the part that he controlled so so the point is the process gets started jump forward 2000 years or so during the during the middle ages of europe chinese culture before the um age, uh, excuse, excuse me before the europeans come in and kick ass and gunboat gunboat diplomacy and the opium wars during the middle ages when europe was literally focused on religion and not reading and writing and not you know literacy goes out the window China's Chinese culture develops many economic reforms. They develop paper money, the compass, they'd already developed gunpowder, they developed better communication, and they developed a, way, a better way to get books throughout the country. So literacy rates go up and that kind of stuff. But because all this kind of happens, you know, over top of each other, the pace of life Relatively speaking starts to speed up, and so the economy gets more privatized because it 's happening so fast and, the, and your ability to communicate is improving that the kings and local lords can 't keep up with it they can 't keep control of everything so then back to the part where you were talking about earlier where the uh, Europeans come, you have the uh, the opium wars, the two different treaties, the humiliation of China because after the second opium war and the second um, treaty, the Treaty of in 1858, in some ways China is isolated because the point you were making, the Europeans pretty much carve it up. Uh, the British get Hong Kong. And then they're going to go on to take even more territory above that in the new territories. But the point is China is humiliated. And this is something they're going to remember. And if you're 18 years old and I say to you, China was humiliated back in 1858, you're going to be like, oh, just get over. That was a long time ago. Well, if you need some context for that, I live in the south. There are people in the south who still remember losing the Civil War, who are still upset about losing the Civil War. That might sound stupid to you, but we're human beings and we have our pride. We you never forget losing a battle even if you forgot why you were fighting it. So this idea that they should just move on doesn't really happen. So when you hear China using every means of it of its disposal at its disposal to get ahead politically, Economically on the world stage. One, they remember being humiliated by the world. And two, it's again, in, the, in their own way, they're, they're saying, this is our time. We've got this massive country, this massive population. We have our pride. We've been around for 3,000 years. We've invented a lot of the things that you used to use. We are very industrious. Uh, we're highly literate. And, we're, and we have pride just like everyone else. It's their time. That's how they see it. And they're not going to let anything Like, sometimes, and I don't mean this as literally as it sounds, but rules, regulations, traditions, they're going to come and get theirs. They're going to be the number one on the stage because first it was the British, now it's the Americans, and China sees their day in the sun is coming and they're doing everything they can to make that happen. And why wouldn't they? Because everybody else has done it in their own turn.
2: Wow. Potted history from Ray Harris. (laughs)
1: And I and I, we don't have to go into the whole great leap forward. If you don't want to, Mao Zedong, we can do that as well. But the point is, um, they struggled, like you, like you said, in the last, what, four decades or whatever. They've come along and they've done amazing things. And, yeah, you can't ignore that or wish that away because it's not going to happen. If you're 13 and you're willing, I'll do it. <laughs> nope. She's a whore. Geriatric sex. No guilty, of course. One-armed fucking... Anyway, anyway. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Not to mention her vagina. <laughs> I don't remember do saying me? that. I don't remember saying. Ah, oh. I cry into my pillow. <laughs> Some women, I guess, are so evil that they deserve, they deserve to be strangled to death and thrown down the stairs. Not to mention her vagina. <laughs> You know, at the beginning of the show, I thought I liked the idea of a soundboard. Now I'm back to not liking it. Anyway.
2: I don't know what you're talking about. That uh, What soundboard? That was just was talking.
1: That
2: was your Tyler Durden coming out, taking control.
1: <laughs> the
2: other Ray.
1: Oh, the other Ray.
2: So let me get back to... Uh, yeah. Let me get back to... Uh, Communism. So when people point at the Soviet Union and say, see, communism doesn't work. Right. And some people, like myself, reply, Well, you know, that, that actually wasn't communism, they get laughed at. Ha 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 right. right. You see this a lot online. People will say, Oh, well, the you know, the, the, the lefties will say, Oh, that wasn't really communism. But when you point at China today and say, Well, communism, the people on the right go, Well, that's not really communism. <laughs> you go, hold on a second.
1: Wait, what? Talk. <laughs> you two need to talk because I'm confused. Yeah,
2: yeah. But actually, everybody's right. As I said before, it's co- it's not communism. These are communist parties who have a stated uh, vision for getting to communism. One day mm-hmm. but they don't have communism as a, an economic system today as a socio-economic system today it's part of their political ideology it's not part of their country right now now the USSR was one experiment to get a society from feudalism to communism and it ended up being stalinism right. is the way we normally refer to it for the you know for some of the key decades of its history which was Stalin's ideas on how to implement uh, or get to a communist society, and it mm-hmm. failed for a variety of reasons that, mm-hmm. that are probably too complicated to get into on this show. But that's what our Cold War series is about. If people are interested in that, listen to that because we'll we'll talk a lot in our Cold War series about why that failed, and it's a lot more complicated than most people think. Right. Um, There's a whole bunch of factors involved in it. Now, one of the challenges with Marx and Engels and their view of communism in the Communist Manifesto and some of the other books that they wrote is that they deliberately never set out a roadmap of exactly what it would look like or how you would get there. Right. Because they were scientists. They called it scientific... Socialism, and they said, "Well, look, every country when they set out on this journey is going to be different. Conditions are going to be different right. so it's it 's not up to us to say this is exactly how it 's going to play out. You need to work out how it 's going to play out in your country they They articulated again a vision for a better world where people the, the masses shared in the means of production basically where there were no bosses there was no state there were no classes everyone just worked together in mm-hmm. uh, harmony in a in a system that they worked out where everyone could decide what they were best at what they wanted to do agree with the uh, other members of the society about yeah. uh, how how everyone was going to stay busy and get involved and then you'll go do that make sure there's somebody doing all the right stuff and it, it, it just all works. Now, it sounds sounds utopian, sounds highfalutin. Uh, I think to mm. most of us today, we go, oh, that, that would never work. Well, maybe, but if we don't try to figure it out, it's certainly never going to work. We just keep uh, shooting the,
1: each other. Yeah, sorry.
2: Yeah, we could just do that, keep throwing people we don't like in prison because they're right. smoking a bit of weed. Right. Uh, that, that, it, it's a vision. It's a vision for how to get to a better place. Mm. Um, but... Here's the important thing that Marx and Engels did say, though, that a lot of people don't really understand. The roadmap that they said to get to the, – the roadmap to get a society to communism was starting with feudalism, moving to mercantilism or capitalism, then once you hit mature capitalism, which is basically mm-hmm. where you've got a, a large middle class right. that is – literate, educated and healthy and productive and understands how to do shit. They've been trained to run the, the gears of society. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when you move to socialism and Mm -hmm. then finally to capitalism. It's a, the move The what did I say? Capitalism. (laughs) That's
1: (laughs) right. I just want to make sure.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yes. From socialism through to communism. Right. Um, the, mo- the, the, the movement from feudalism to communism was supposed to be slow, right. managed, carefully managed, gradual evolution over time. That mm-hmm. was their idea, Marx and Engels. Right. But all of the communist experiments, and, and again by that I mean communist parties who, who were trying to get to uh, communism but were really trying to implement socialism, all of those experiments in the 20th century were in situations where countries who had been totally fucked over, uh, either mm. by monarchs, like in the case of uh, Russia and, and China and Vietnam and Korea as well in different ways, and or imperial colonialism, like oh,
1: yeah.
2: China and, and, and Vietnam <laughs> and uh, Korea and uh, Cuba... Um they these countries uh, in the early to mid 20th century had revolutions where they tried to jump straight from feudalism or right. sort of very very early capitalism almost pre-industrial revolution capitalism uh in terms of most of the populations mm-hmm. straight to socialism skipping over Mature capitalism.
1: Would you say? Because. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, what were got? going to ask? No, I, you were, I think you are about to address it. Was that just out of, like you were probably about to allude to, just sheer desperation on their part? Either they suddenly got their country back, they have a chance, of trying to make it work, and why take 100 or 200 years to transform when you could try to jump to it and take care of all your people now? Because that's probably why they were fighting for freedom in the first place, is to be able to look after themselves and to run their own country. I'm, I'm assuming it was desperation more than anything else, to try to jump start that?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it had a lot to do with um, tactical considerations. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, these revolutions happened either uh, after major world wars. Right. Um, the Russian Revolution happened sort of just in the middle of and then after World War I. Mm-hmm. Um Vietnam, Korea, uh, China. Uh, China's revolution started before World War II but concluded after it. Uh, Cuba's happened uh, 15 years later. But, you know, they, they came after world wars. World wars were fought by the capitalists, started by the capitalists, fought by the capitalists. And particularly these countries that have been oppressed by large colonial capitalist powers for a century or more. Mm-hmm. They didn't trust capitalism. They knew the way that capitalism worked, and I think they wanted to uh, block the capitalists out of having influence in their countries because they they knew from experience that when you let the capitalists in with their massive pocketbooks, they tend to mm-hmm. corrupt the system. They... They buy political power, they buy the justice system, they buy the policing system, they spread their money around, they can bribe people, and they end up taking control. So I think part of their rationale was to keep the capitalists at bay Mm -hmm. and try and figure out how to trade. They all wanted to trade with the capitalist countries. But do it on their terms Uh, Which of course the capitalists Went fuck you Uh, If you (laughs) give us what we Want or A we will Just you know Throw trade sanctions on you or uh, We will just try and invade You or go to war with you or whatever So it and, and, so, and so they all failed economically, these, these experiments. And, and again, this is just one reason, yes, there were probably corrupt people in there, and yes, central planning of a state economy is very difficult in the early 20th century, and I'll get into that. But um, a large part of their failure had to do with the fact that they were attacked either militarily or economically by far more yeah. powerful, far richer nations almost immediately they had to be on the defensive but yeah. so when they when they started these experiments they all had large populations of people with very low levels of education very low levels of literacy very low levels of health very low skills very little infrastructure etc mm-hmm. which means in every case uh, they didn't have the it's not like you can kick the capitalists out on day one and then on day two, all yeah. of your people go, right, right, everyone, get to work. You know what you got to do. Okay, uh, Ray, if I threw you into a nuclear reactor and said, Ray, right, there you go, yeah. run that for me, it would be like Homer <laughs> Simpson. You'd be sitting there eating donuts, drinking beer, just randomly mm, pressing beer. fucking buttons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hold um, a wrench, no idea. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you know, by the way, I mean, for a more recent example, the same thing happened... Um, after the end of apartheid in South Africa, when a lot of the whites left South Africa and mm-hmm. the black population that had been oppressed for a century or more um, hadn't been skilled up, hadn't been trained up, low levels yeah. of, of illiteracy, etc. all of place. a sudden all the whites... The whites right. are like, well, fuck this. If we can't be racist, we're getting out and we're going to take our money with us and our <laughs> right. training manuals with the us. They get up and yeah. they leave, and then all the, the, you know, not all of the black people, but a lot of the black people who were left didn't have the skills or the training to run the power grid and the telephone and the banking system right. and all that kind of stuff, uh, or policing or whatever. And they struggle. And so it, yeah. it, it, they struggle, and then. The whites turn around and go, look at them; they're fucking useless. That country <laughs> used to be the ec- the breadbasket of Africa. Now look at it. Look at these they dumb need me to ninjas. Be in charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so you know, it's the it's classic. Anyway, so and as I said before, as almost in every case with these um, communist experiment countries, as soon as they announced that they were going to become socialist countries they were attacked by richer more powerful more right. developed foreign countries the usa the uk france germany etc so then they had to simultaneously try and figure out how to feed and educate their people many of whom were already starving and and sick and try to build the basic infrastructure like roads and power grids and Jeez. factories and yeah. Trained people with no training how to run those things successfully, and they also had to defend themselves exactly. from exactly. foreign attackers rich foreign attackers who had modern armies and after World War two nuclear weapons uh, so so these uh, uh, developing countries spent billions of dollars on defense in an arms race
1: Instead of
2: which left rise. less money to uh, build their economies and their infrastructure, build up their societies. And then (laughs) when they started building up their weapons so they could defend themselves if the rich Western nations attacked them, then the rich Western nations threw economic and trade sanctions against them and said, well, fine, we just won't sell you any of our stuff and you can't sell any of your stuff to us or any of our friends, so now what are you going to do? So they started trading with each other, but it's like, well, I got no money. Do you have any money? No, I got no money. Well, no, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, what, what I'll give you do? coffee beans yeah. if you give me tobacco. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, let's do that. Yeah, uh, a- so, so they tried to survive, but they. So it made it difficult. So that's one of the reasons why the economies of these countries failed in the 20th century is because they started. 100 miles before the fucking starting line where everyone else was yes. when they finally got control of their own countries back and then they were attacked economically and militarily by the richer countries uh, unless, you know, you you did a thing like the Marshall Plan, which we, we talked about mm-hmm. on that Cold War show, obviously, where America came in. <laughs> I phoned into Trevor... Trevor Bell's uh, podcast this week. They were uh, I, I happened to tune in. They do a live stream, and I happened to tune in after I got foxed a bit, and s- saw they were talking about Ho Chi Minh, and I was like, oh fucking hold on a second. So I, I <laughs> dialed in. I live. I, t- <laughs> I said something in their chat room, and Trevor said, well, Cameron, you can call me if you want to weigh in. So I weighed in and got stuck in on about um, you know Ho Chi Minh. Right. I was defending Ho. Defending Ho. And uh, they were like, oh, he was a communist. And I was like, no, he wanted to he wanted to do a deal with America. He said to the Americans,
1: 13 he was times. dealing with the
2: CIA, I yeah. will join your camp if you just come and kick the French out. And they were That's like yeah. yeah. so he went, all right, where can I get some help? The communists, great, I'll get help from them. And yeah. then they go, Oh, look, he's a commie. You <laughs> saw desperate. him. He, he had a he had gun. A gun. <laughs> um and then, and I was talking about the Marshall Plan. I like said, what you need to understand about the Marshall Plan, if you don't want to listen to my 20 episodes on it, <laughs> is America basically bought uh, the Western Europe. They, yeah. they bought the economies of Western Europe. They went in with a big checkbook when Western Europe had been destroyed after World War II and said, listen, we will give you, uh, not, well, we're not going to give you money. We will give right. you a line of credit mm-hmm. that you can spend in the United States on American goods and services, but you have to pay it back. But we'll give you a line of credit, but here's a couple of conditions. Number one, you spend most of it on American goods and services. Right. Number two, you uh, shut down any of the socialist or communist uh, activity in your country. Mm. You you throw them in jail, you you round them up, you kick them out, you kill them, do whatever it takes. Uh, What do you say? And these countries were like, how much are you going to give us? $13 billion? Okay. Yeah, Done. Done. We're starving Give us the yeah, money They turn to Russia Hey Russia What do you give us Well we don't have any money Because we just got our asses wiped You know We just we just spent everything we had def- Destroying <laughs> the Nazis for Four you You're welcome
1: <laughs> They're like Well You know We'll take the money I mean I appreciate that But I need the money
2: So So, so then these guys Were say, Well are you saying It's a bad thing like, Well I'm not saying It's a bad thing They you, you know They did help Western Europe rebuild But it came at a cost yes, Which was The lack of Lack of, yeah, lack of political uh, freedom, really. Yeah, yeah. What Tone if those
1: those people said, can we take the money and have communism too? No. No. Hell to the no. Did you not read the pamphlet? Yeah.
2: yeah. So anyway, um, where was I? So- so uh, these countries, this is the situation they are in after their revolutions. Right. So they couldn't trade with the richer countries, which, you know, the, which, who, the, the richer countries that had um, uh, uh, surpluses in mm-hmm. food and medicine and infrastructure and just oh, pure yeah. cash that these people needed. So in the, let's call them communist countries for the sake of ease, their the people starved. There were famines, all sorts of horrors. Um, some were their own doing, and some were not. I mm-hmm. mean, some were the result of badly implemented attempts at central planning. Uh, now, central planning sounds like a good idea, and we do a certain amount of central planning in the West today. We we have central banks that set interest rates and try and pull on the levers of the economy to keep us from going into a recession or to have inflation by manipulating things, doing things like quantitative easing, which we'll get into in a some episode in the next couple of episodes, or mm-hmm. or, uh, or selling bonds or whatever it is. So we have a certain amount of central planning today. But you know, back in 1917 or, or 1950, these countries didn't have – advanced computers to help them do this kind of planning. They didn't have satellites. They didn't have mobile phones. They didn't have modern management techniques or a deep understanding of agriculture. So the first 40 or 50 years in these countries, it was pretty rough. Uh, And let's remember, as we talked about, I think, on the Cold War show, even the United States had massive droughts in the 1930s due to a lack of understanding about ecology Mm -hmm. and how to manage... Seasonal farming. They had the Dust Bowl. Thousands of farmers lost their land, moved to oh, California, yes. only to find themselves in the middle of the Great Depression uh, because the economy had collapsed. There was like I think losses reached twenty five million dollars a day by nineteen thirty six, which is the equivalent the equivalent of four hundred and fifty million dollars a day today. Damn. So running a running a large state economy was yeah. difficult in the early 20th century even for a highly educated, technologically advanced, rich country like the United States. Mm-hmm. Hell, the United States caused a fucking global financial crisis a decade ago and another is coming, right. if you believe the inverted yield curve. So people point to you know, Russia and China and Vietnam and say, look, they Damn fucking me. couldn't even run their economy. In the uh, early 20th century, forgetting right. that the West couldn't run their economy on many levels either. They had massive famines, massive failures, depressions, crashes, that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. And then and then these countries, again, as I said, were coming from 100 miles b- b- fucking below the starting line at the beginning. So it's, it's, it's a lot more complicated yeah. than a lot of people really understand because they... They tend to just listen to sound bites. No one bothers to pick up a fucking book and read a little bit of fucking history, which is what we're here for. We what? read the books so you don't have to. But it, 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 it's always bugged the fuck out of me when people have these simplistic. Right. No- and even on Facebook, I saw it coming out time and time again. Uh, you know, people were in this. Thread in the last we were going well. That's not communism. Like what the f- who the fuck are you to say what communism is? Really, did you invent it? So shut the fuck up. What do you mean it's not communism? What Reagan you don't even know what me. you're talking about?
1: Yeah, hmm.
2: yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to just finish up with some uh, brilliant insights that you got from an email that Laszlo Montgomery sent you?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. If that's very. Um,
2: did he write your notes for you this week?
1: I was actually okay. You know what? All cards on the table. I was hoping the son of a bitch was going to do that, but one (laughs) sentence, two sentence, three sentence, that's it? He raid
2: raid you. (laughs) Laszlo raid you.
1: Right in the walls. (laughs) You know what I uh, think about Laszlo? But he's a racist probably. Bit of a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) No, I imagine in the next show – we're probably going to get into a little Deng, Deng Xiaoping, so I'd like to talk about his contribution and his story as he gets to it, so um, if I could save that. But but again, every. every People look for black and white. People look for one sentence, sound bites like you were just saying to go, and that's not the way life is. But, but when they hear something, they embrace it and they take it on and you can't move them from it and they're not willing to think, that is equally frustrating. You see that on Facebook and you see that in the news all the time. And you, you just wonder how we're doing as well as we are when you have people like that who just refuse to see anything other than something that they've got in their head. Um, and, I'm, and I'm related to most of them, so I know exactly what that's like. If you're 13 and you're willing, I'll do it. (laughs) Geriatric sex. (laughs) Pedophile. Pedophile. (laughs) Not hot. (laughs) Repeat. Not hot. Thank you. It's not. It's never in your head. Oh, yeah. No. For a second. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send a virus (laughs) to your computer. Anyway. It's a power play, baby. (laughs)
2: All right, we'll be back. Uh, that's that's the introduction to our China series. Uh, yeah, we will. Next week, we're going to be talking about um, well, like some of the numbers of Chinese progress and how they got from being fucked forty years ago to where they are today. We're going to get into Deng Xiaoping and Xi and she's dad and <laughs> lots lots of more daddy she, lots of more lots lots of good stuff uh, next time. So uh, hang around for that. Bullshit
0: bullshit. bullshit.